passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Every single one of you booing me, you would cower in front of me if you couldn't hide in a crowd behind the safety of a barrier. But for Charlotte and Becky, there is no barrier. This may be your church, but there is no sanctuary for you here. I've come to desecrate your place of worship. I'm going to embarrass and humiliate both Charlotte and Becky on the grandest stage of them all. That's why I got Charlotte disqualified last night. I need to make 100% sure I can embarrass, I can expose Charlotte and Becky and the WWE as the carny con artists they always have been. Becky is a joke. Charlotte is a joke, and anyone who believes in this whole charade is a joke. When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting. The A team that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade take the mic. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Rewind a Raw. It's John Pollock here alongside Wei Teng. Wei, welcome to the show. Thanks, John. Welcome to you, uh, to you as well. Glad to be here. Glad to be chatting with you for however long we have. We have forever. I guess so. Yeah, we have lots to discuss. It might take us forever. Uh, much to discuss as WrestleMania is uh, creeping up. We are four weeks away, and... At the end of the show, I was kind of jotting down like what this card is. You can pretty much now figure out, I, I would say most of the card. I've got like 11 matches here that look as though, I would say 10 are pretty much locks at this point from what's been done on television. And one of them is an educated guess on my behalf. I think that's a good thing. Yeah, I think that, Four weeks you know, for, for, for the lion's share of the card, I mean, it's not really that sh- stunning. Like you've been seeing the, the buildup slowly. Like Styles and Orton, for instance, that's been a program that's been yeah, it's been kind of dangled there for about a month now. Yeah, yeah. You know, get uh, four weeks out. I mean, I think with what is this uh, fast lane out of the way, um, you're going to start to see a lot more direct building towards uh, WrestleMania. And four weeks, I think, is a decent amount of time for us to get excited for some something. Uh, it's also a lot of time for things to uh, completely screw up. So we shall see. Come on, way. <laughs> Listen, that shield thing last night was great, and that was like a one one week build. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see with four weeks what they can do with some of these other programs. I think it was a. I think it was especially frustrating this year with the two pay per views between the Rumble and WrestleMania because the brand split is non existent. Meaning, so you basically had two pay per views. Involving both rosters, it's not as though one was putting the Raw programs into place for Mania, the other was the final stop before the SmackDown programs. It was just, 
well, we've we've got to do Elimination Chamber, and then we've got to do this show three weeks later. Mm-hmm. And like, if ever there was the like, does anybody have any inclination that this brand split exists? If there was a semblance of that being a care in the world, it was when Shelton Benjamin showed up tonight on Raw, and not a person seemed to even question it. It's, of course, of whatever. We need yeah. him on Raw. He's on Raw. That, that yeah. to me, was the unofficial end of the brand split tonight. Shelton. Shelton was, Benjamin showing up and Michael Cole saying, that's Shelton Benjamin. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they haven't really been very clear about the way contracts work between the brands. I think, you know, and there are guys that they really respect something like that with. Uh, like AJ Styles, for instance. I, I think if he showed up on Raw, they would make a big deal out of that. But somebody who we haven't seen in months, like Shelton Benjamin, I, I guess we would. Or Matt Hardy. For that matter, I think we just assume they're free agents. Well, it will all be rejuvenated in a month when they've got to do the superstar shakeup, and then all of a sudden, exclusive talent will be so important, and we will all be shocked as people move from show to show like it never happens, and that it's this incredible, important movement that we see happen. Whatever fits their narratives. That's next month. Uh, but today, we have lots to go over with uh, our shows coming up this week, which is, uh, Way, you're, well, I was going to say you're kind of like our Dean Ambrose, but you, we know, are coming back. You're just going on a bit of a vacation, a much-deserved one. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I'm I'm off to Hawaii, so uh, good luck to you, John. <laughs> I feel bad leaving you here. See ya. No, I'm. I'm. Uh, I'll be fine. Don't worry about it. I want you to have a great vacation. That's what your job is for ten days. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I appreciate that a lot. Uh, you know, this is just sort of a uh, the amount of time that I, me and my girlfriend, were able to find together. There are no pay per views in the next ten days. So, um, before, uh, you know, WrestleMania, um, I figure, hey, let's do it. Well. Uh, next week on the show, so Way will be, uh, he will be here on Tuesday night with Rewind to SmackDown, as well as the double shot. He'll also be returning on Friday for our Rewind Away episode on WrestleMania 26 for you Patreon subscribers. And then next week, I'm going to have guest hosts on Rewind to Raw and Rewind to SmackDown. I contacted Michael Che and Colin Jost, but they were unavailable for next week. And uh, Colin Joe cited lack of product knowledge, which I granted him. That would probably be a problem. What What are you doing talking about a wrestling show if you have limited product knowledge? But you might get a car next week. Uh, Maybe, maybe. But uh, I'm not going to announce the names yet. But I was uh, very happy that I was able to secure these two. And next week, right here on Rewind to Raw, it's going to be a non-face-to-face confrontation. What does that mean? Uh, it means I won't be face-to-face with the person. They will be joining me via technology. Okay. That's what we're doing right now. I guess so. Yes, we do it every week. Uh, also coming up this week, we have Up Next. We have uh, some interviews that will be on the site as well. Uh, Cody Saftik is going to join me, my uh, former co-host on the MMA Report. As well, Ian Riccoboni, the play-by-play announcer for Ring of Honor. He's going to be stopping by the post office to chat about the ROH pay-per-view on Friday night. And then Mike Murray will be coming by for a Ring of Honor post show late Friday night. 
Nate Milton has the latest installment of the Rocky Maivia Picture Show dropping on Saturday, and he's going to be joined by Garrett Martin and Chris from L.A. to review Walking Tall, the 2004 classic starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Excellent. You're going to have no shortage of listening material on your vacation on the beach. Uh, Yeah, I'll be in Hawaii listening to to Chris from L.A. and Nate talk about Walking Tall. What, what, What could be a better vacation than that? And then Sunday, I'm going to have a bonus show. Now, don't ask me what's going to be on this bonus show. I just put it on the, the list, and I'll figure that out on Sunday. So tune in on Sunday. Special bonus show if you're a Patreon subscriber. What I'm a tease. Pre- I'm predicting a John Pollock meditation special. where you If I feel guided, like it, that's what I'll meditation. do. 90 minutes of me breathing in and out. Yeah. The very best. I would definitely use that on the beach. Well... Uh, I hope you're not sick of my voice by the end of your vacation way. Oh, I'm going to miss your voice, I think. Well, it, there'll be plenty of it there. Just I won't be directly talking to you. Well, in in a way, I'll be talking to you. You know that all my words are specifically sent out for your ears <laughs> to uh, reach. Well, thank you. Well, wait, uh, we'll, we're all going to miss you, but you're still around for quite a number of hours of wrestling content. So let's not uh, let, let's not say our goodbyes yet. But on the double shot on Tuesday night, do you know what you're going to be talking about? Because it's <laughs> I had no idea that there was a massive uh, piece of news on Sunday's episode until I saw people uh, writing about this on Monday. Well, me neither, because uh, I was busy. I rely watching... on you for these things. Way. Well, I was watching busy watching Fastly, but in the midst of the chaos of, uh, you know, what was going on at that event, a bombshell, John. Brie Bella has announced her official retirement. She did so on the latest edition of Total Bellas, which I have yet to fully watch, but I will do that tomorrow, and uh, I will catch you up, as well as all of our listeners. And and as well, the latest edition of Being the Elite. All right. Well, tune in for the double shot. Uh, Once again, you can sign up, postwrestlingcafe.com. You'll get uh, that bonus show this week, as well as... And what's already on right now uh, on that feed is our latest MCU review with you, myself, and Davey Portman reviewing Thor The Dark World. So a lot, of, a lot of great feedback to that one. And uh, go check that out. That's available right now. Yes. And the Fastlane post show is up. Both you, uh, you can download it as a podcast. And you can also watch it at YouTube.com slash post wrestling. So all great stuff. Yeah. And uh, again, maybe we should make time right now, John, for our favorite part of the week. When we give out an item from the post wrestling store. Store.postwrestling.com. This is our official merchandise destination and this week john i'd like to give out another snapback hat these things are a huge hit i'm 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 getting orders from all around the world uh people are taking their uh arahawani pose photos (laughs) sending them all to me so thank you everybody who's already bought one but let's give one out for free right now that's right everybody not only do you get all of our bonus shows not only do you get uh, an unknown show that I'm going to do on Sunday, but you also are in a draw every single week as a cafe member to win such a great prize this week being a snapback hat, uh, a piece of post-wrestling merchandise not even I have. You are ahead of the game. Oh, you could have me. one, John, if you want. Uh, it's it's elusive. It, it, it's for the, the paying people out there. Okay. All right. So let's, let's get uh, a name ready. Say the magic. The magic word. What? That was the... You said say the magic word. Uh, No, no, no. I was looking for an actual word. Still spinning oh. here. 
Oh, okay. Still spinning it. Um, um, autocratic. It's a great word. <laughs> Congratulations to Matthew Pitts. From Matthew Pitts. O- yeah, from Olath, Kansas. Matthew Pitts, you win a hat courtesy of the Post Wrestling Store, store.postwrestling.com. Send me a message on Twitter or uh, 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 Patreon, whatever you want, just to let me know that you are listening and that you are alive and that you are a real person, and I will get you a hat. Matthew Pitts. Not to be confused with Pittsburgh, where Raw took place on Monday night. A perfect segue. That's why I chose the name. Well, uh... Let's get into the news that is going on around the world, and we are going to start. Do you know what I'm spinning the wheel and landing on tonight, Way? Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor. He was arrested on Monday. Uh, The Miami Herald reported that Conor McGregor, uh, he was arrested following this alleged incident happening in the early hours of Monday morning in Florida where he was leaving this hotel that houses a nightclub, and some fan was trying to take a picture of him on his phone. This fan, Ahmed Abdirzak, ended up uh, having his phone slapped out of his hands, and then Conor McGregor proceeded to stomp it, I guess showcasing his Marco Huas technique, and then after stomping the phone, this is what I don't get, he took the presumably damaged and probably broken phone and he left with it. So McGregor is facing a second degree felony of strong armed robbery and a third degree felony of criminal mischief uh, with this phone valued at a thousand dollars. And just, just uh, about a half hour ago or so a video was released of Connor uh, leaving the jail that he had been in. Yeah. Wow. Quite the development during Monday Night Raw. Um, I, I mean, what what's this ultimately going to end with? Um, nah, nothing. A, f- a fine. Some. Uh, he's going to go take another anger management class after. Like to to put this into perspective, the Dolly incident oh, from last year. Even the water he, throwing incident, I think, was worse than oh, this. The, he's got. Uh, and listen, I'm not. I'm not condoning any of this stuff. Yeah. I'm just realistic in that this is not going to be. Anything sizable uh, to Conor McGregor. Well, There's to not going to be any kind say, of punishment. Sad to say, John, and all of those instances that we just talked about have, if anything, kind of been beneficial to his bottom line. It you was know? the source. I mean, the Dolly incident, to me, which was the worst, was the source advertising material for UFC 229 that did the biggest number in in MMA history. And for all that happened there, all the charges he was facing, he ended up... Uh, pleading guilty to one misdemeanor count of disorderly conduct, not the WCW tag team. And he had to undergo one to three days of anger management class and complete five days of community service with that plea. So think of that incident, and that's what he got out of it. I think destroying a phone will probably not rank very high when it comes to punishment or any deterrent being set to Conor McGregor. In this scenario, too, I could see it being a case where if you're a Conor McGregor fan, you would sympathize with him. Um, and perhaps I don't know the extent of with which this fan was taking photos, but. Oh, yeah. Like we, we don't. Apparently, this was caught on on uh, surveillance footage. So presumably they'll get to see what was happening. Was this someone just uh, being very aggressive at 
5.30 in the morning trying to get a photo of a guy. Like, I, I don't think any fan has a right to just put a camera in someone's face, but we really don't know the set of circumstances that led to this, even if we can agree it was, you know, probably an overreaction Absolute. to do yeah. what Conor McGregor did. For sure, yes. So, I mean, probably a fine, and that's realistically what we're looking at. And to be honest, if this wasn't Conor McGregor, I don't even know if we'd be talking about this. But anyway, it's a big story because it's Conor McGregor and his mugshot will be everywhere. Mm-hmm. What else is going on? Harlem Heat is going into the Hall of Fame, meaning we have another double inductee with Booker T going in a second time. A lot of double inductees this year, if the rumors of the Heart Foundation are, are going in are true as well. So, um, yes, which I'm under the impression they are. So, so that would um, make Ric Flair... Shawn Michaels, Booker T, Bret Hart, and Jimmy Hart as double Hall of Fame, double inductees. Yes. So, um, I mean, certainly on on the uh, as a tag team, I think it's it's very uh, justified. You know, they are to me uh, one of the top tag teams from that era of WCW. Um, is this going to be a recurring thing though? Like tag teams going in, in addition to, like individuals oh definitely i I think that they're this this year to me tells me that this is a year where i mean they've put in a lot of those quote-unquote big names that you are going to have to recycle some of these names to to fill them out and it seems like they still have their desire to have this long list of inductees in each year's class that it, it forces them to have to do this i would be perfectly happy with say five inductees going in and that's fine. And I think you can, you can have a nice two hour ceremony, but it seems they want, they want long shows. They uh, not, not to go off on a completely non sequitur here, but uh, George Barrios, their co-president last week did this speech and he said the, the item, because he was talking about attendance being down and, and stuff like that. TV ratings. He said the, what they value the most is hours of time spent and it's, one easy way to jack that number up is you put on six hour pay-per-views and you put on five hour hall of fame ceremonies. And invariably the amount of consumption is going to be there among your most loyal viewers. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah. You know, but I I also kind of see something like this as with the hall of fame as, you know, just more of an indication that it's, they're looking for the biggest names to, Ah, uh, to honor first of all, but also just to kind of make for an entertaining show first and foremost. That's how I see it. Uh, I wanted to just briefly um, mention uh, Wally Yamaguchi passing away. This happened over the weekend. He had suffered a stroke back in 2017 and had apparently been in uh, in bad health and died at the age of 60. And you know, I, I just feel that there's there's so little kind of English uh, coverage of you know just the Stuff like the Japanese magazine industry and what a major player this guy was. And also with All Japan being a conduit for a lot of the American talent that went over there. And I think that, you know, we're starting to see more uh, coverage from Japan for like English speaking audiences. When you see, of course, you know, you, you have Dave Meltzer, but now you're getting people like Chris Charlton, who's doing it a lot more. But, you know, and just seeing so much of the coverage of Wally Yamaguchi I just felt it was like so much of it was just minimized by the Kai and Tai run, which I don't think is the most accurate representation of this guy's contributions to the industry. And I know myself, like I was trying to research quite a lot of him 
over the weekend as well. And this was a major player with, with Gong Magazine when it was uh, you know, an enormous publication, when there were several big publications uh, covering the wrestling industry that – you know he was he was a really notable individual, and I think a lot more than just uh, you know uh, trying to cut off Valvinus's penis. Yeah, I certainly was not aware of uh, a lot of what he was doing outside of that run with Kaintai. And uh, we, ju- you and I, just like watched an episode of Raw well, featuring um, Wally Yamaguchi and and a part of that Valvinus angle. And I'm sure you know that guy had a lot of fun doing it. But man, I, I, I thought it was really embarrassing, especially to watch in hindsight. And uh, you know, I wonder. I mean, I, I wonder how how his maybe you know how he feels about about this perhaps being his legacy, or if, or if maybe he's just grateful to to have any type of legacy. But um, uh, I, I it seems from reading a lot of what what you wrote on our site and what other people have written, he his contributions to the industry were uh, perhaps a lot greater and more important than that angle. Uh, and then there were uh, some WWE signings today that they announced. Uh, reporting to the Performance Center, uh, we have Ro- the former Robbie E. from TNA, Stokely Hathaway, who's a fantastic manager, and Cal Bloom, who is the son of Wayne Bloom, who was uh, Bo Beverly of the Beverly Brothers. Interesting. Wow. So may- maybe they were going back to that superstars episodes from 1992 that we recently talked about and they said you know what i wish we had a i wish we had a wayne bloom they're like hey he's got a son that's wrestling get that guy on the payroll now yeah i'm not sure about that but um robbie e that's that's really interesting i i think stokely hathaway i think he could be you know a great manager i don't know what their uh, plans are for him if it's to be a manager if it's to be um doing in ring. Um, but I, I think just, he's a, he's a tremendous speaker. Uh, that's what I'm most familiar with him and Robbie. He's, he's got a good look. Um, it's, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of competition for spots in NXT. So it's, you're going to have to have something very, very special to be able to stand out. And he had some very good, um, you know, comedic timing and stuff that he had in TNA. And the fact that he has that television background, that's probably a plus that they view of someone who has that experience. Perhaps I, I I'm very curious to see, uh, you know, if he even there's just so much competition right right now, and I'm not really entirely clear about what he might be able to offer that 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 have him stand out amongst the pack. But I also haven't seen him in in many years since his TNA run. So last I heard, he was like doing a podcast. How it ended? Um, I wonder if that's still going on or why it it's ended. been answered. WWE contract. Why it ended. I got signed. Yeah, sure. And uh, the last bit of news here is that uh, David Finley, he suffered that shoulder injury back at the second Honor Rising show uh, last month. And it turns out he has a torn labrum. So he will be out for a long time. And that that's very unfortunate. I've always been very high on David Finley. Uh, never a good time to get injured, but um, especially one that's a significant setback uh, for Finley. Mm-hmm. So that is uh, all the news that is going on. Uh, We'll review Raw, and then at the end of Raw, I'll quickly run through today's uh, New Japan Cup because the first round is over, and now we have the second round matches. So maybe, way I can get your updated picks. Sure. And um, everyone take a moment to uh, have a a moment to think of WH's bracket because it it was a rough day for him. 
Oh, really? Okay. We will get into that later. But let's start off with Raw from Pittsburgh on Monday night at the PPG Paints Arena. And it started off. I hate some of these arena names, by the way. Uh, yeah, I mean, where are you going to the show tonight? Oh, we're we're going to check out this concert down at the PPG Paints Arena. Do you think they have nicknames for arenas like that? Like maybe like the buck, the paint bucket, the, the uh, palette, the palette. Yeah, the um, the canvas, um, the paint store, the paint shop. <laughs> what does anyone have any? Is there any nickname for Scotia Bank Arena now? No, but like the ACC, like some people would used to call the hangar. The Air Canada Center. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean the ACC. Yeah, the, the ACC. Yeah, the, vo- uh, the the withdrawal. The ATM. I yeah. feel one of my friends called it the bank once. We're going to the bank, and I didn't know what the hell that meant. No, that's not confusing at all. That's not going to get over. No. Uh, but the PPG Paints Arena. Let us know, Pittsburgh listeners. Do you have a nickname for this atrociously named arena of yours? The Shield started the show. Roman came out. Uh, with them said he has no regrets uh, stating that we know, we know we don't know if we have any tomorrows. And if, if last night was the last time ever, he'd be happy because he did what he loved with the people he loves. And he thanks Rollins and Ambrose for teaming up with him. But tonight Roman wants a singles match because he hasn't had one on raw since October. And then jokes that Dean has some business that we don't know about. But neither does he, and that's why we laugh. We love him. And they all had a chuckle at Dean and his pending departure from the company. He's got business tonight, but we don't know what. And I guess he would later find out what his business was. But I wonder what he was intending on doing. Was he like spending the whole three hours thinking about what I, I, sh- I could do today? Maybe, maybe they gave him a bunch of stock when he signed his contract. And now he's ready to cash out and make a killing on that stock, which was probably trading at like 20 bucks when he signed. Could be that. I mean, it is tax season, so maybe he just had to submit his taxes. Could be. Yeah. Uh, you know, I thought Roman sounded like a real leader here who I, I feel like, you know, he's somebody who for most of his career in these types of promos, he's he always feels like somebody who was put in this role because of company direction. But now... It really feels like when he speaks, he's somebody who is as beloved as your organic baby faces like your Daniel Bryans. And, you know, I it, it, it seemed to me like when he speaks now, he feels like somebody that the audience actually respects. Yeah, he's been appointed to this role by the audience. Mm-hmm. So there's a chant of slay the beast as Reigns turns his attention to Rollins. And Reigns puts over Seth, saying he's going to go to WrestleMania, he's going to win the title, and everyone is going to start chanting, burn it down. And I thought, it's like, the audience gave you the chant, and now we're, it's like, no, no, that's not the company-approved chant. It is burn it down. We are not slaying the beast. And then all three of them hugged, Reigns and Ambrose left, and Rollins was on to his, his uh, chores for the evening. His business. Yes, his business to attend to. No stock selling. He's interrupted by Paul Heyman, and Rollins just takes over the promo. He puts over Lesnar's accomplishments, all the guys he's beaten, but then points out that Lesnar had a very tough time getting by Daniel Bryan. He was pushed to the limit by AJ Styles and almost beaten by Finn Balor. So Lesnar has a problem with guys of my speed, my stature, and my style. 
And all due respect to those guys, but I am uniquely suited to beat Brock Lesnar. He's been genetically modified to beat Brock Lesnar. Uh, that he is? Yeah. I love this. I loved it. First of all, I think... Well, do you want to finish the rest of the promo? Sure. Well, Heyman said that Lesnar didn't have adequate time to prepare for those three opponents and brought up the fact that all three were late replacements. Jinder Mahal was originally to face Lesnar and got replaced by AJ. Then he was to face AJ and was replaced by Brian during that last week. And then he was supposed to face Braun Strowman at the Royal Rumble and was replaced by, by Finn Balor. So Lesnar had five, six, and 12 days apiece to prepare for those matches. And I thought that is an amazing coincidence that they were able to tie all this together. And now is that a response? Is it a coincidence? I, I certainly, yeah, I really respect them for like actually digging deep and figuring out like all these things. But like, let's think about that. Like why, why did all those situations happen? You know, in, like, in just about every case, it was – well, let's go back, okay? Jinder. Jinder Mahal, they gave up on Jinder Mahal, and mm-hmm. they knew that match was going to be terrible, so let's give them a good match, and you got the match with AJ. Then they Brian wanted to – replaced um, AJ the next year. Yeah, then the next year, it was turning Brian heel, and the story was that the weekend before – Vince just changed his mind, and he wanted to present a different match. He didn't want to do the same match over again with uh, AJ and Brock. So Brian got that spot. And then with Braun, it was never going to be Braun. It was Mm. always going to be switched to Finn Balor. And they just kept it as Braun up until two weeks before. So it was all different circumstances. Right. But uh, I I loved all that. I I think, first of all, you know, it showed a reverence for previous stories that we don't often see in WWE presentation. Like, typically, anything that happened two months ago is completely forgotten about. But here, they went as far back as last year's Survivor Series to help, you know, facilitate these points in this promo. Secondly, I think it puts a lot of the focus on the wrestling style itself with Dean or with Seth talking about how, you know, it's it's faster, uh, uh, slimmer guys like him that have been the ones to, you know, come closest to solving this Brock Lesnar puzzle. And I think so often, in, in again, in the WWE, the sporting aspects like somebody's speed and style are really not brought up at all. So, I mean, I'm usually just happy when guys mention their brand new finishing moves and I'm going to try to hit you with my brand new finishing move here. They went kind of a step farther. And I also felt like by bringing up Brock's, you know, close losses to those three opponents, you're first of all, not only rewarding me for paying attention to your product for a long time, you're also retroactively making those matches a part of this larger story that I'm expecting may culminate with the conclusion of this Seth Rollins Brock Lesnar match. I think it adds a lot of weight to the build. You know, when Seth wins, you know that if he wins, you know he's going in into that match having studied those tapes with these three opponents. And to me, it's like the type of story that the, the type of storytelling that so many people love New Japan Pro Wrestling for. And so I certainly didn't expect it in this story, but I I I got it here. Yeah, I was just waiting for Rollins to say, "Brock, everyone knows about your power." And you'd cut down to 265, and then who was it that knocked you out? It was a 240-pound Cain Velasquez, a man much smaller than you. <laughs> yes. Wasn't going to go that far, was he? Maybe. And then Cain comes out to be in Rollins' corner, the fourth member of the Shield. Cain's a pretty big guy. He is, but by heavyweight standards, I mean, he was, he was, not, he was not a gigantic heavyweight like Brock was or a Derek Lewis. Right. 
So Heyman then throws to a Brock Lesnar feature and then finishes the promo. And all of a sudden, Shelton Benjamin is in the ring and attacks Rollins from behind with these German suplexes. And we come back with a match between Rollins and Benjamin. It was really out of nowhere. You know, I mean, you know, uh, LeBron was Shelton out of nowhere. Of Not exactly the same reaction. No, but the fact that it was Shelton Benjamin, who um, I don't think received a huge reaction because a lot of the, your audience either doesn't care about Shelton Benjamin or might not even know who Shelton Benjamin is. But, you know, for me as a longtime fan who recognizes their history together, I enjoyed it as I enjoyed Shelton as a choice as, as Brock's heater um, with both of them coming from the same uh, school wrestling team so um but they didn't really I just wish that, that was stated yeah. i wish that was said once shelton was his coach at the university of minnesota he was his tag partner in ovw i mean just explain that to me they made i thought the pairing made a lot of sense mm-hmm. but you've got to explain this to people or else like imagine not knowing that which would be a lot of the audience watching this it, I think. it's true yeah did did haven mention anything I never heard Heyman state anything. Heyman was pretty much gone after Shelton attacked him. Mm. Well, he was he was, on, he was on he was on he was on commentary. You're right. I uh, listen. If I if I missed Heyman stating it, I was listening for it, and I did not take note of them ever bringing up that history. Yeah, I missed it too. If that if that existed, um, Benjamin did this cool knee strike from the floor. He did the step up onto the apron, nailing Rollins to cut off a dive, and. Heyman promoted that Lesnar will be on Raw next week in Chicago. Rollins took another release German, and then Rollins came back, hit the stomp for the win. Uh, It was a two-segment match, and I I thought it was all right. I didn't think the audience got all that into it because I I don't think they saw anything significant here, nor was this really designed to be anything more than, I think, a blow-off match with Seth just getting a win over a guy from Lesnar's past. I really liked the idea of using Shelton as, you know, sort of like the the the, the semi-final boss to hit the Brock Lesnar. But, of course... He might be like the... He's the like, open... He's the um, putty patrol for Brock, I suppose. Sure. But I think... I think in order for this to really mean anything, you you should have had to... You should have built Shelton just a little bit. You know, maybe ha- give Shelton a strong win here and then do the match next week at least, or... Or something, but instead, even in that video feature he threw to, it could have been like a bit of a retrospective feature on Lesnar, and then you come back and there's Shelton. It's like you've just been hit over the head with, uh, you know, just some some subtle reminders, like some images from their college wrestling days, just anything. I mean, it, you could have just done it very subliminally right there. Yeah, something tells me like they they probably never put that much thought into this and they just thought oh like seth needs a match tonight who's around uh i don't know Shelton benjamin isn't he on smackdown well whatever no i'm just saying this is what they would have said in the meeting um but you know what it was a fresh match it was shelton benjamin versus seth rollins on tv i i like that you know but it, it was just a showcase for seth in the end total bella's promo Huge uh, focus on evolution this Sunday. I believe there are two episodes left this season. And I don't know about you, Way. Are you on the WWE's mailing list? Do you get all their press releases? No. Because my inbox, I get a new message today that the WWE has alerted me that they have surpassed 1 billion followers across their social media platforms. Yeah. So I guess my, I mean, great. Congratulations. 
does, does that include like all of the rosters accounts or just like official WWE accounts? I think it includes every last thing. Okay. So like maybe even The Rock. Yes. And John, okay. Well, great. So how many are they losing if Dean Ambrose leaves? No, million. Well, congratulations. It sounds like a really big number. It's a great number. It's always great to say a billion. Do you have a billion anything? Um, cells? Yes. Do I even have a billion cells? I'm not even sure, honestly. How many seconds of content have you and I produced? Certainly not a billion. Seconds? <laughs> Get on it. <laughs> seconds. Hmm. Seconds. Don't, don't go minutes or hours. I mean, go for what's easily going to be the most impressive number. Is that what we can advertise now? Listen to post-wrestling. Over one billion words exchanged (laughs) on our podcast. I certainly don't think we've said more than a billion words. Um, Maybe a billion bytes of uh, data transferred. (laughs) Over a billion... uh, No, it wouldn't even be over a billion megabytes. It would be... No, You you and I should just upload WAV files from now on. We'll get there in a much shorter time. Yeah, congr- uh, congratulations, John. Let's celebrate. Let's send out an email. All, all I want on these press releases is like have some fun, like like Vince McMahon, like pretty much unzipping his pants and saying, "Look, everybody, take notice." I don't know if I'd want that in my inbox. Well, I probably would have a virus. They plugged the SummerSlam travel package. And Renee says she'll take Cole and Graves out on Queen Street. Corey Graves says, you're not even really from Toronto because you don't even like the Maple Leafs. And mm-hmm. Renee, a self-professed Las Vegas Golden Knights fan, just renounces her citizenship live on Raw. Oh, wow. But a Queen Street reference. I think Cole and Graves seem more like King West types. Graves for sure. Actually, I was yeah. coming home one night the right before a UFC on King West, and who walks out of a club just owning it? Bruce Buffer. No way. Wow. Oh, he just walks out. I'm just walking home, and he pops out of this club. I'm like, this is this is something out of, like, a, a comic sketch. Yeah. Bruce Buffer. And if you've ever seen Bruce Buffer, just being Bruce Buffer, it's, it's a sight to behold. It's time <laughs> to dance. <laughs> they did a 360 right on, the, oh, on King Street. damn. Hailed a cab. Finn Balor versus Bobby Lashley for the Intercontinental title. Um, I was notified after I wrote my update today that uh, I wrote, Bobby Lashley will be defending the Intercontinental title tonight against Finn Balor. And then someone corrected me. And I took a minute. I was like, is Finn Balor the Intercontinental champion? I really had to think about this. I was like, no, you're right. It is Finn Balor who's the Intercontinental champion. No, you wouldn't have known. I did not know. I honestly, like, I I knew after, but it took me like a solid 30 seconds to really think about this, uh, that Finn Balor is the Intercontinental Champion. Yeah. When did he win it? He only won it a few weeks ago, right? Was it at the Rumble? It was, was it at Elimination Chamber? It was the handicap match with Leo Rush involved. I think it was at Elimination Chamber. So he's had it for three weeks. What a run. Yeah. Not his, not his, not his uh, month. Lashley tried for the Dominator, but it's countered. He lawn darted Balor into the corner. Balor comes back with a sling blade, and then he goes for the coup de grace, but the bell rings. It's Leo Rush, and 
this distracts Balor. He cannot continue this match while Leo Rush is standing there. So Rush grabs the title and yells that it doesn't belong to Balor. And Balor nails Rush on the apron. And then he goes for a springboard into the ring, is speared in midair. Bobby Lashley pins him. Our two-time Intercontinental Champion, Bobby Lashley. Congratulations. He's one step closer to a billion title wins. Um, I think this looks to be Balor's mania program. And and I know I say this every time Finn Balor loses, but I think this is to set up the demon. Oh, so we're going to get another Balor-Lashley match. That's what you think happens. Clearly. Yeah. In my long list of WrestleMania programs, I don't have anything for these two. I, I don't know. Um, I mean, it could be. A multi- I, I guess you, it, it could be. A could you see a multi-man? Could this be yeah, something where all the excess people are thrown in? Certainly. Yes. Singles match just feels kind of flat between these two at this point. Oh, completely. But... Yeah. Charlie was backstage with Baron Corbin. And do you remember like it wasn't that long ago when they were teasing some type of interaction between Lashley and Brock? Like, he would drop, like... He... Totally dropped. Yeah. Like I mean, would... I don't know if there was any end in sight to that, because we know Lesnar was not going to be doing Elimination Chamber or Fastlane, and those teases were coming around January. Mm-hmm. Went nowhere, yeah. Unless that's... Well, they're not doing yeah, that the, the only place you could see that happening would be the Saudi Arabia card, if Brock is doing that show in May. Sure. Like, that's, that's, that's it, and I don't think they're... Thinking that far ahead. I think Brock will definitely be on that show, don't you? I, I do think he'll be on that show. I don't know if it'll be with Lashley. Right. You're right. They they dropped all that stuff cold. So Baron Corbin is asked to explain his comments about Roman Reigns' leukemia. Because you see, unless you have a history as a teammate, you cannot be forgiven for such heinous comments. And Corbin says, What did I even say about him? And Charlie is ready with the tape and goes and replays what Corbin said, which was um, Reigns has to go away. And he insinuates that the leukemia has taken its toll on Roman and he'll expose him tonight in their match. And he's been carrying Raw since Reigns left. And tonight he's going to house train the big dog. I'm going to teach him how to piss. Oh. Well, clearly, like what he said tonight was way worse than what he said like in October. Because I did, I did not even remember this segment from October. The comments in October were like nothing. He's just like, yeah, I wish Roman Reigns well on his battle with leukemia. How about Uh, the dude who said karma caught up with Roman Reigns? That's what I mean. It's like Baron's comments in comparison to Dean's were like nothing. So Baron's got to play Dean Ambrose. That's how I'm. I feel like they're they're treating this whole thing. It just feels like they're putting Baron into Dean's storyline. Because what Dean said was way worse. And if you told me that Dean was saying all that to set up a future match with Roman, then, I mean, I still could, can't excuse it, but I could I could see the logic there. Like, with, with Baron's comments about Roman from October, they were relatively tame. Ronda Rousey comes out, and she just stands there in the ring as they air this video with a recap of Fastlane. Uh, much better in edited form than how it played out on Sunday. She tells the fans to take their applause and shove it, you bandwagon bitches. She's a lovely... Uh, d- her her delivery of alliteration is... Uh, I'm a fan of. She's a Rowdy big fan Rowdy Ronda of Rousey. <laughs> Rowdy Ronda Rousey loves alliteration, yes. 
She calls Becky a coward, and she's the hero the fans deserve. None of you would state any of this to my face. You would cower in front of me if not for a barrier. For Charlotte and Becky, there is no barrier. This may be your church, but there is no sanctuary for you here. I've come to desecrate your place of worship. <laughs> I was waiting for lightning bolts to shoot down as this woman's possessed by, like, the exorcist or something. I think verbiage <laughs> like that, like, reads fine, like, in an RPG, like Final Fantasy or something. Um, or Pokemon. Another alliteration, Final Fantasy. Yeah. I don't know. I, I still... I, it takes me out of it when she gets into, like, super, uh, I don't know, fantasy novel stuff. I think it's because I watch Passions that I enjoy <laughs> this woman and her promos because they sound like something that the when the one, the blonde girl would get possessed by, like, the, the dark world, she would, like, cut promos like this. Wow. I should start watching Passions. Maybe that's what I should review on a double shot one week. Passions. She says she got Charlotte disqualified so she can embarrass and expose both Becky and Charlotte as carny con artists. Yeah. And didn't she say the WWE as well? Uh, I think she included the WWE there as well. These carnies. Yep. They are both a joke. Anyone that believes in this charade is also a joke. Yeah, as she carries the WWE championship belt around. Well, she's not going to let the carnies have their prop to fleece the fans with and sell Wolf tickets. Listen, all that, all the stuff, like, uh, I I don't like it. I still don't like it. You know, her talking about how she's going to make everybody believe that like she's going to expose the business. Basically that's like, that's the character now that's her threat. Um, I don't know. It's weird to me. Like I'm like, how is she expecting to do this in a pro wrestling handicap match? I suppose the idea is that she's going to go out there and shoot on both of them. Right. I don't think she's hitting it like, so hard that it's like completely like like this I took is just you know this was like a wrestling promo she's coming to kill these two opponents um I didn't think feel this stepped over too far I know a lot of people were upset about the YouTube promo but wait, I feel wait that- what did, what do the carnies and con artists bit me uh <sighs> I don't know what what insult. I don't, I don't know how this applies to Becky Charlotte. I guess the WWE are. You, you can apply that to the company. I don't know how that applies to Charlotte and Becky. Okay. Unless unless it's like all these these wrestlers are a bunch of con artists and carnies because all this stuff's fake. I think that's what she means. You know, I think I what guess it was like a subtle, uh, maybe not so subtle. I think what we're seeing right now is is their portrayal of Rhonda as if she's like Neo in the Matrix and she's broken out and now she suddenly realizes that she doesn't need to pretend these other girls are on her level. Like she can now be out of character and unleash her real arm bars and her real skill on everybody. That's definitely what they're going for. This idea that 
you've legitimately pissed Rhonda off, and this is a woman with the credentials that if she wanted to, uh, she could do this. But there is there is zero believability in that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, as okay, so believability aside, do you think it is attracting? attention from a mainstream audience to this match and WrestleMania. I don't think this specific um, promo style and version of Ronda is attracting any more people than were already interested in this. I, I think that the match either is of interest to people or it's not, but I don't feel that this direction is bringing in anyone else that is uh, believing for a second that they're going to see something different than a wrestling match, um, mm. which I, I feel that whenever they do these kinds of things, it's not so much to get people to believe it's real. It's to simply give them a shred of doubt that, well, we know Ronda Rousey has this volatile temper. We've seen it in the past. So maybe some of these online comments by Becky really have gotten to Rhonda and maybe she really will have a temper tantrum and snap on one of these women. And yeah. I just don't feel that that, that there is not that sliver of tout. It in does any not. Of I don't think it works at all with Rhonda. Cause I don't think Rhonda is that strong of a performer, but listen, we've, we've had that character in Brock Lesnar in his WWE run. You don't know, remember the Randy Orton uh, thing. Obviously, you know, at no point did anybody feel like, Oh, he shot on Randy Orton with those elbows, but like, there was a sense of confusion and I think a sense of, like, you know, what's going on here? Like, when Brock throws that title at Vince McMahon in that backstage scene on that WrestleMania special, it we, some of us, question the the, the reality of what, what's going on, even though the very likely scenario is that it's all work. But Brock, I think it goes to show you, is a much better performer when you're trying to sell a character like that. By Ronda coming out here and cutting promos like these... It just continues to tell you that this is all staged. And there's also different rules for how they're going to go about promoting this match on television versus online. And this, I mean, this has Paul Heyman written all over it. And the goal for any of these things is to find what the line is with your audience, find something that your performer, in this case, Ronda Rousey, like it's very clear when Ronda Rousey has her most conviction in something it's you attach something real to it. And for this case, it's that crowd reaction at the survivor series. And you try to go as far as you can to that line without going too far over that you lose people. But I think that's what we're seeing right now. How close over. I, I think many people feel they have where when you go over the line, it's not so much being offended. It's just, you're losing people. You're not, you're not achieving what the goal is, but mm -hmm. it's at the same time, I'm, I'm seeing this promo covered everywhere and people yep. are at least having that, that shred of doubt that, you know, people that are maybe not following it as closely, uh, maybe they, they don't know what is story and what's not, but I, I feel that like this is this big kind of, um, experiment and it feels like Paul Heyman is all over it and is someone that can very much produce Ronda Rousey to get the absolute best out of her by attaching real, um, events for a storyline purpose. Yeah, well, I mean, well, I, I don't think there's any doubt that, you know, the, the, she's getting the reactions that she, they want her to be getting right now. You know, she's getting booed out of these buildings. Um, 
she's uh, pissing a lot of people off uh, from the wrestling audience. And no doubt, like, I, I guess you could consider this a success from that perspective. Um, but I don't know. Personally, I feel like she was doing a fine job uh, before that, you know, playing like pro wrestler. And I think if she still took a lot of that reality of her being, you know, feeling betrayed by by the L.A. audience or who or, or the wrestling audience and using that for a proper heel pro wrestling promo, you wouldn't risk offending your current fan base as much i i think the reaction so much what we're seeing on online is not because people are questioning whether or not it's real it's them being turned off by ronda's kind of very amateuristic uh attempts at being a professional wrestling heel like more so colby covington than you know uh chael sonnen but is it really turning off that the, the people that are going to be most upset at with about those comments are also probably your most loyal viewers that there is not a chance they're skipping WrestleMania over this. But you can argue that that's the audience that you want to, you know, protect the most. It, I mean, that's isn't that ty- the, the type of Vince Russo logic that that says these people are going to be watching anyway. So why are we catering, to, catering towards them with high quality matches when, you know, the mainstream audience doesn't care about that? But the product I, I, I think you've seen that time and time again in terms of the WWE and their their choices that they've made over several years that has been a reliance that that audience is going to be their most loyal and we will we will sit through our audience completely booing our top babyface but that is our plan that we will go forward with and I'm not even saying that's the wrong choice to make but that is a decision they've made and throughout all of this whatever this experiment is and what these plans are there's also no real conclusion that we'll have after wrestlemania if this worked or not it's not as though the wrestlemania they're not even releasing the wrestlemania number the day after like usual nor can you peg the subscriber number on one match working or not um it's you know we we don't get quarter hours we don't get it like the wwe has kind of insulated themselves from that kind of a business critique when it comes to a program working or not to a star getting over or not like they have eliminated metrics instead mm-hmm. of having uh, an ability for us to kind of look and see well what is working what is not working i mean house show attendance i don't typically place on at least of this roster on any one performer being that big of a difference maker that you know the day after wrestlemania if you are one that believes this program was a failure you can probably argue that and if you think it's a big success you can probably argue that too because we don't have the kind of um evidence to support either claim in any strong regard i think google trends might be maybe you know at least one type of barometer um you know to gauge maybe this year's mania from last year's mania to see if there's like a heightened mainstream interest but when when is the next time we will get a network number not until the quarterly report that will be in um probably like uh the third week of april so we'll mm-hmm. we'll get um and, and that'll only be the first quarter so that won't include uh wrestlemania day or oh. the day after wrestlemania okay but I, I mean in time you'll you'll see where it is but I, I don't even know if you can necessarily use that number to say that hey R- ronda and company led to this upswing or this slight decline if it's not at the expectation level or it's down from last year where the day of WrestleMania all told all in, they had over 2 million subscribers between paid and, and free. Mm-hmm. So uh, it, it's, it's an interesting program. Uh, do you, do you have any different 
opinion on the three-way versus the one-on-one match because I, I've been completely on board with the three-way, but it was watching Fastlane and watching tonight that it just seems like this program, and maybe it's not fair to just look at the three-way, but like it's clear the the goals are get Ronda as hated as possible and Becky Lynch as beloved as possible, and then we have Charlotte. Yeah. I like it's it's interesting to think about because like I went from not wanting that three way at all, uh, just wanting Ronda versus Becky in their current incarnations back from January to being completely okay with the three way because of 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 the way they they've kind of uh, put Charlotte in there, sort of as the only heel, the true lead heel in the in the whole feud. But now with Ronda turning and her kind of stealing a whole lot of Charlotte's thunder as the main villain in this whole program, like here in this promo, she talked about being okay if the WWE wanted to make a handicap match so that she could beat the both of them. So, I mean, it's almost positioning Charlotte and Becky as baby faces defending the ideals of professional wrestling against this invading MMA person. I think it just completely like throws off that dynamic. Um, and yeah, I agree. Charlotte seems to not really have a place right now. Um, that handicap idea would be a terrible idea, of course, because they're baby. I mean, Becky's a baby face. So I have a lot of questions. I like, I'll say like coming out of this whole thing over the past month, uh, I I'm not more excited for this feud. Yeah. It's like, I I didn't really, it wasn't until this weekend that I look at the three way that it just seems like since you're going so hard with this Ronda heel character that it just, it, it kind of reminds me of the, the scene in wrestling with shadows where they, they have Brett turn heel. And then through the DX stuff, Sean suddenly becomes a heel and he becomes the big heel. And you've got, you've turned Brett, but now Brett is no longer in the position of even being the top heel. He's kind of like a, you know, one B to Sean at that time. And you can't just, at least at that era, you can't just flip him back and become a babyface. He's kind of done the anti-American deal at this point mm-hmm. that I, I'm just kind of curious what happens with Charlotte. And maybe they have a, a way to kind of differentiate everyone. But it just seems that, yes, there's lots of arguments to make it a three-way. But to me, I, the the cleaner presentation is you have a solid babyface and a solid heel. And I agree you have that with these two. It's working in charlotte that kind of gets into this gray area i kind of laugh when you suggest that they might have a way to differentiate charlotte because the way everybody in this feud has been built is by them freaking out and attacking people with kendo sticks and turning heel that's how they've had everybody that's that's all three of these people so um if they have anything for charlotte on smackdown it'll probably be her attacking everybody with a kendo stick well, I mean, uh, Sonya Deville didn't get her kendo stick attack on Sunday, so maybe they're due for one on the SmackDown side. After all of this, Dana Brooke came out to represent the WWE locker room and represent pro wrestling and the carny con artist. She says she's heard enough of Ronda's venom, and I've got nothing left to lose. She won't allow Ronda to disrespect the WWE, the WWE Universe, or the women's locker room, I'm not a big-time fighter, but I love WWE and this business. I've worked my tail off to earn respect. Every week, I fight for my chance, and I don't even get the time of day, much less a match. I'm not a household name like you, but I just want a chance. And it's the night after a pay-per-view, and I want to answer the open challenge. What would you think of Dana's promo? 
I thought it was probably the promo of her career. You know, I, I, I mean, I, I could say I probably haven't heard Dana cut something so passionate. Um, and I thought it was great that it was like this promo of her life and it was all just done to set up this squash. I, I like this attack at the end. Ronda yeah. just kills her, repeatedly throws her on the floor. Piper's pit in the ring. She teases the arm bar, but then yells, pay $60 and I'll show you an arm bar. Is that each? Wow, 60 bucks. Damn. So I, I guess no internet connection at the uh, Rousey Travis Brown estate. Yeah, they don't have the network. Yeah, they still got a. Yeah, I, I, I thought Dana was great here. Um, and I, 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 I was thoroughly entertained by this beat down. I, 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 I like this a lot at the end. And Ronda just, she slapped the referee and then just stormed out. And mm-hmm. I think the added edge, you know, for like maybe all the problems I might have with, with the current um, story in, in, in general, I think the added edge helps Ronda with the promos. At least this week, she felt more controlled uh, with, with the anger this time. She wasn't necessarily rushing as much as last week. I think it's sort of like, you know, where she did lose me was like when she got into like the overly rehearsed, overly scripted portions of that promo. But I would say the delivery was was fine. I think that, you know, you can question the way they've gotten here, but I think you've got a genuine dislike for Rhonda. You've mm-hmm. got her to this place that uh, Becky beating this woman, I think I think that there's this concern that well, this is going to totally take out any context of a professional wrestling match and it's going to kill the match. Becky getting the disarmor on this woman, the place is going to go nuts if she wins that. And but- I don't think any of this fake pro wrestling stuff is going to be in anyone's mind uh, when they're lost in that match and just want to see Becky win that title. Well, personally, I feel like you would get that reaction regardless, even before Ronda got into this, you know, shoot storyline. I think the the idea that Ronda being sort of the company like mascot being submitted by the underdog who was not the company mascot, that that was already believable. And I think that would have elicited a giant reaction already at WrestleMania. Um, her doing like Charlotte, very much the same type of story. So her beating the odds against those two would have been fine. I, I just feel like maybe this current story is maybe like pivoting a little too hard, too late into the game. And, you know, like, again, I can't argue that it's, it's getting a reaction. If that's what they're after, then, then fine. But, um, I, I'm, I, I'm not a big fan of the way the story is being told. They aired a SmackDown promo. It's going to feature Vince McMahon addressing Kofi Kingston and Shane McMahon explaining his actions. Show full of the McMahons. Yeah. I guess Stephanie's uh, in timeout for the time being. I guess so. She's figuring out who to side with. Am I a baby face with my brother or am I, uh, or sorry, am I a baby face with my husband or heel with my brother? Alistair Black and Ricochet took on Chad Gable and Bobby Roode. Uh, they went all of four and a half minutes here. They had the advantage on Black early. Ricochet tag, tagged in, and there was a handspring. Was caught by Gable, and then Rude delivered a blockbuster into a bridge by Gable. Uh, Ricochet came back, spinning Lariat. Black made the tag, and Ricochet hit this like spinning GTS, and then the Black Mass was hit to Rude, and they won in 427. Uh, Black and Ricochet getting the win. Pretty good when it was black in there with Rudin Gable, but I thought this match became incredible once Ricochet tagged in. Uh, he is absolutely amazing to watch. You know, his entire run in this match, it was very brief, but it was nonstop, precise, and completely beautiful. Like, 
as characters go, like I don't think they're really that over with with this particular crowd, but I can watch this guy wrestle even without any storyline at all, like for three hours, and I'll be very happy. Then the revival attack Black and Ricochet on their way up the ramp. Yeah, so I don't know where they're necessarily going on the the Raw tag division side. Um, yeah, it's odd they got programs on both shows. Yeah, Black and Ricochet are doing an eight man tag on on uh, all three been, shows. What am I saying? Yeah, they've announced for for Tuesday night. Um, this wasn't in the promo, but they announced earlier in the day: Samoa Joe versus R Truth for the United States title, and then Ricochet, Black, and the Hardys against Nakamura, Rusev, and the Bar. Mm. Which could always change, but those are the announced matches as of today. All right, then we had our moment of bliss. Alexa comes out and she mentions the. The WWE's 1 billion followers are buzzing about who is going to be the host of WrestleMania. Prior hosts include Kim Kardashian. I don't think anyone has any recollection of. The Rock and The New Day. And Hulk Hogan. Which she didn't mention. She didn't mention Hulk Hogan. No. How about that? Then there was a... You know what they also didn't do? They... They had no uh, recap of the WrestleMania announcement last week, which Hulk Hogan was featured prominently on. Right. They yeah. usually always have one of those just to, you know, recap the, the press conference. I, I didn't see that at all on this show. No, me neither. So she throws to a video, very clear where it's going, and she's pumping up who the host is going to be, bigger than all these people. And it's Alexa. And she pretends to be shocked by this announcement, and even though she had clearly indicated she knew what the announcement was. Uh, and she is their brightest star who will be on their grandest stage as the host of WrestleMania. So does that mean we're going to get one mo- moment of bliss per hour of WrestleMania? We might get eight of them. Is that what that's meant? Because I, f- I recall like in previous hosting segments, like like Hulk Hogan, for instance, that wasn't more than just the opening bit, opening like intro to the show. I mean, the New Day had a bunch that one year of just segments. That's all they are. It's just kind of coming up with skits for... I I just don't know if Alexa Bliss is the person I am going to be coming up with much material for. I think, you know, like hearing something like this really kind of makes you wonder about her in-ring future. Um, They're pushing her very hard as a personality. The fact that these Moment of Bliss segments continue to go on despite all of them having been terrible, I think tells you that they really want this to work. And... uh, uh, you know, I think if anything, it's just this is just a way to have her prominently featured on the show without having her wrestle. They recapped last week's involvement of Michael Che and Colin Jost and Charlie interviewed Braun Strowman and she asked him so calmly why he decided to jack the guy up by his neck, referring, referring to Jost. Braun says that Jost better stay away from him at WrestleMania. And a person came up to Braun stating, your car is here. He said, what car? And he goes outside and there is a car with a bow on top of the hood and a letter from Jost saying that him and the cast of Saturday Night Live got him a car and jokes about there being no more title matches for Braun to get screwed out of. And Braun just destroys this car. He tears the door off. He breaks the windshield, he tears off the hood, and he says that he will see Che and Jost live in New York. Which to me was the only interesting thing of this whole thing was, did he mean live in New York, meaning at WrestleMania? Or are we going to get Braun Strowman appearing on Weekend Update? 
Uh, that would be interesting. And, and to me, the whole reason to do this for WWE's sake, I mean, yes, it's a, and I'm sure NBC Universal would want it too, is to get some cross promotion here and get some WWE performer on Saturday Night Live in front of a big audience. And I would see Braun being that person to set this up. Yeah. I think if you're NBC, maybe you're you're hoping for like Ronda Rousey or, you know. How about Braun? <laughs> Braun Strowman, <laughs> sure. Um, that would make sense to me. Otherwise, why Colin Jost and Michael Che? Um, but or this could just lead. I mean, this is leading to something at WrestleMania. Um, it seems to indicate to me that they don't really have a match for Braun if this is the program, so. unless the match is Braun Strowman versus Colin Jost and Michael Che. Braun has not had the greatest uh, WrestleMania pairings, but I, I mean, this is kind of your segment to maybe get some some kind of coverage. It's the, it's the Nicholas segment. Oh, for, for SNL, you mean? Sure. Uh, this is also, of course, um, as, as many people noted on Twitter, uh, this was this convertible was a replica of a toy set featuring Braun Strowman destroying like a car that looks exactly like this one. So. I thought it was kind of cool that they found or painted this car to look exactly like that toy. Yep, straight off of the fast lane is this car. I thought we would just be inundated with Road to WrestleMania jokes from Cole after this segment. Mm. But none. Elias was in the ring. It's his hometown of Pittsburgh. And he healed on his hometown by stating, there's a good chance you'll be an enormous waste of life if you're from Pittsburgh. They're miserable here and it holds the great people back. So he was interrupted by No Way Jose and his hair, his new green and yellow hair. Yeah, a lot of people got excited when they when they saw No Way Jose tweet about or, or Instagram his new hair. And in particular, they were messaging me thinking that this might be the first step <laughs> in him becoming the cocaine dealer, No Way Jose. Um, Let's put it, it this way. This certainly isn't a step uh, removed from becoming a drug dealer. It's only moving towards that. Uh, sure. Yeah. We all know those drug dealers who love having neon hair because nothing, you know, keeps you, I guess, underground like neon hair. Yeah. Maybe, maybe no way Jose can start like passing around stuff in the locker room to like the geek locker room and say, Hey, I can, I can help take the edge off. Hmm. All right. <laughs> I had nothing. Elias just kills him on the floor, attacks the conga line members, and hits a drift away to Jose onto the ramp. And Jose drifted away. Yeah. Is this going to lead to something? Nope. Yeah. Harlem Heat video going into the Hall of Fame. And Cole, not to be confused with uh, Cole, uh, they're one of their original names, Kane and Cole said that Booker is now a two-time inductee, and then tried to get in his line about, I wonder if he'll go in as G.I. Bro as well. <laughs> so that's fine. There's a, a an interesting story uh, with, with Booker T. and Stevie Ray, is that the two had, I don't know when it was, maybe around 10 years ago, they had a falling out, and they were not talking to one another. And one night on The Law... Stevie Ray calls in and he just says, oh, I'm in my truck. I listen to you guys on Sirius all the time. And he'd call in every now and then. And it was back in uh, 2000. 
And that was like the following year. We had Booker T on the show, and and Dan brought up, oh, Stevie Ray listens to our show every now and then and calls in. And Booker informed them that, like, no, I, I haven't talked to Stevie in a long time, but if he if he's listening to this, give me a call. You have um, a niece that would love to see her uncle. Or he said something to that effect. And I guess years later, or, or at some point, they, they did uh, reconcile, but... Yeah, we got to. That uh, was kind of interesting at the time. So you're saying the law was responsible for? I'm this? not saying that. I'm not saying that. I'm <laughs> sure they, they put their, no, but I mean, it's like here was a guy who was pretty much saying, "I've law, lo- I've don't have a relationship with my brother anymore," and he might be listening to this and like sent out a message to him. I thought it was really heartwarming. Look I was really this. happy when I heard that these guys kind of buried the hatchet. I mean, that's a I love it's it. a terrible thing to go through. I love it. If there are any estranged siblings out there listening to us. Don't Try. ever blame uh, wrestling media as being negative when <laughs> it can bring families together. That's right. Lacey Evans came out for her usual deal and healed on Renee. She put her fan right in Renee's face. And Renee was not a fan of that. And then Nia and Tamina walked out. They had a brief face-off with Lacey and then just kept walking to the ring. Natalia came out. She said, I thought that Ronda Rousey had my back, but... I didn't know her like she thought she did. These like best friends. Yeah, they just don't like each other anymore. They're, they're eating cheesesteaks last week together. They were in the video together. Yeah, yeah. No, they, they can't like each other now any longer. Yeah. Natalia does not trust Jackson Tamina, but she does trust her best friend, Beth Phoenix, who came out. Uh, Beth Phoenix looks to be in outstanding shape. Her Absolutely. arms are just jacked. Yeah, I mean, I assume time away from wrestling will. Kind of help you. So Natalia and Nia Jax had the the shortest match. Maybe this was a tribute to King Kong Bundy and Special Delivery Jones. uh, Because Phoenix ran in in 29 seconds for the DQ, attacking Nia. Can you explain that to me? Like, why did she do that? She just couldn't stand there. She's fuming after this attack from last night. She just couldn't stand idly by. But, like, wouldn't you at least give a chance for your friend to win this match? She has no faith in Natalia. I mean, I, I was I, I didn't understand why Babyface would do this. And I Natalia wasn't even in that much trouble. And here comes her friend just coming in to DQ her match. I'd be pissed if I was Natalia. Well, she wanted Beth to have her back, so she did. She cost her the, the winner's purse <laughs> this night, but she's got her back. <laughs> yeah, get my get me DQ'd in this match. Yeah. I mean when Rhonda did the the blatant DQ the night before. It was an act of, of cowardice and a strategy act. And then uh, 24 hours later. Yeah, I don't know what this was. I, di- I didn't think it helped Beth at all. I thought it confused this audience, gave a flat reaction. So I don't know what this was. They cleared the ring of Jackson Tamina, who went to the back, and then they got jumped by Bailey and Sasha Banks. These two couldn't catch a break. So it seems instead of the straight tag, which I had a hard time imagining that would be the Mania match, it seems this will be the match to put in maybe multiple t- teams, at mm-hmm. least these three. Wow. So if you're, if you're going to have these three teams, aren't you going to also need a couple teams from SmackDown? I could see them being added. Yeah. How many teams could you see being a part how, of this? How match? many are there though? There's realistically, there's, um, there's Iconics, there's Rose and DeVille. I um, could only see Rose and DeVille getting Carmella in. Carmella and Naomi. Maybe them. 
it, you don't want to crowd it either. I mean, it's kind of kind of defeats Beth's purpose of coming back when you have it, you know, so watered down. Well, not watered down, but just so many people, right? That she doesn't even necessarily get much focus. I suppose I'm surprised that they would even go the Beth Phoenix Natalia route, considering they have other, you know, like it's not that big of a difference maker, you know, sorry to say, like for Beth for, and Oscar. Well, that match afterwards, but anyway. Asuka does need an opponent, so someone needs to be Asuka's opponent. Unless well, that's, not happen- that's not happening at Mania. Maybe Asuka's going to defend her title in a battle royal. That, I don't think that's... No, I that, think that, that could happen. Yeah, I don't know. Can you see Asuka having a singles match at WrestleMania? I don't know if she will. I mean, it might be an idea to like say uh, the winner of the battle royal gets a championship match against Asuka tonight, and then like you do a quick thing maybe perhaps. i just yeah. yeah you could do that nothing that's lighting the world on fire you could and, have and that could be and oscar could be on the kickoff mm. yeah batista arrives in the parking lot and was wearing the greatest worst jacket of all time i thought he was going to do a magic trick out there <laughs> and then coming out in his winter line of clothing it's it's hunter Wearing his leather jacket, jeans, and his fists are taped up. So this was not Paul. This is Huntor. Huntor. Got it. Yes. Huntor. Batista comes out, and he's got his personal security. Hunter calls him a nose ring model. Batista says, I'm not stupid. I learned from you and Ric Flair. Where's your sledgehammer? It can't be too far away. We're going to do this on my terms. I'm in control. Give me what I want. He proceeded to say this line a dozen times. And points to the person out there that takes this Batista promo and does a mashup with Wannabe by the Spice Girls. (laughs) Because that's all I could think of as he constantly was spitting out literally, Give me what I want. Give me what I want. Or the Smiths. Another another great option. You go Smiths, I go Spice Girls. I think that is a perfect uh, differential between you and I. Hunter asks, how many times have you quit this company? And Hunter's not going to give him anything. And then he referred to the, the security as the guardians of the independent scene, which I thought was one of Hunter's best lines. Very good line. Oh, yeah. that was good. Like last week, I, I didn't think the comedy line worked at all. Um, it was a funny line, but wrong well, timing. It was in the midst this, of like talking about. Like, oh, it was right before he went to read. Yeah. This, this was this called for a funny line, and he nailed it. That was a like laugh out loud funny line. Mm-hmm. He says that you quit, or Batista says he quit because he wanted to get as far away from Hunter as possible for talking down to him, shutting him down, and yet what he's wanted for years is to be. Closer to him than ever inside of a ring. Correct? Maybe he means he wanted to get away from Hunter uh, professionally, like, you know, uh, as far as, you know, uh, being a colleague of his and, and working for his father-in-law's company. But what he really wants is a chance to permanently end his career, get him out of that place, in the ring at least. He once again demands what he's wanted all these years without 
at any point up until now stating what he wants and then finally says, I want you at WrestleMania. And Hunter agrees after Batista just is like literally this, this microphone has to be disposed of after this segment. He just drooled all over this thing. It's pretty gross. Yeah. Um, is that it? He thanks Hunter. He said, I just wanted one last match to end my career on my terms. And I'm going to end your career on my terms. I'll see you at mania. And yes, uh, it looks like we're going to get multiple retirements at WrestleMania. Yeah. I mean, they didn't explicitly say this. This is not a retirement match for triple H. No, but I mean with, uh, with Kurt later, uh, joining Batista, but Uh, and this is this is like totally legit. Like Batista, this is all he's wanted is one last match with Hunter uh, yep. at WrestleMania, and yep. that's that's totally legit. I remember mm-hmm. him telling me that like five years ago on the Guardians, uh, like uh, yeah, press at the at the Guardians, it was the the press screening in Toronto for yeah. Guardians. Yeah, yeah, that's where he for, he mentioned it to me. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I, when 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 we found out that Dave Batista was going to come back as a heel, I think a lot of us were thinking that it was going to be that same, you know, uh, douchebag Dave um, character. This was not that. This was a different Batista. This was, uh, you know, almost a possessed, obsessed Batista who's, um, you know, like fixated on Triple H and wanting to end his career. So it's different. I'm. I didn't love this. I didn't you know? either. I thought it was. I mean, they they got to where they needed to go. It was straightforward. But I'll say by the end, it didn't really feel as hot as you know any of the top programs uh, that are also heading into Mania. I thought it was just like your screaming promo that I think both of these guys are better than. And, sure. Um. Yeah, I thought it took a really long time to get to the punchline. It wasn't much of a punchline, and I thought that there was just a lot of kind of just stepping over one another and just, what do you want? You know what I want. It's what I've wanted. Well, I'm not giving you what I want, but it's what I want. Are you going to give me what I want? I don't want to want what you want. I want this. Extra points to the person who makes a Spice Girls remix of that. Um. (laughs) But you're absolutely right. Like, I, I wonder what that recap video will be like if they used every give me what I want in this. Hunter ends the promo by telling Dave to dig deep and find whatever is left of the animal. Bring everything you have because it's a no holds barred match at WrestleMania. So that's the match. Um, You know, the way this ended, part of me was th- saying, I don't know what is left to build for this match. But at the same time, this was hardly a home run either. So I would yeah. like to see these guys have. I, I I think that Dave certainly has that great promo in him to, um, do uh, over one of these coming weeks and to a to a bit of the audience as well. You do need to do a bit of a history lesson on Batista. Mm-hmm. Sure, I think you'll probably see more cell phone promos from Batista. Uh, maybe the two of them exchanging, you know, Triple H talks one week and then Batista the other week. But I don't I, I wouldn't be surprised if you didn't see interaction between these two until the go home show. The go home show, by the way, is in Batista's hometown. Oh. And I think he will get an enormous reaction there. 
Yeah. Like, this guy's a legit celebrity. I don't know if it's um anyway, it'll it'll be interesting how much attention Dave Batista doing a wrestling match does get because thus far uh it, it hasn't seemed like it's been a, a giant deal that well, Batista's I think doing they, a wrestling match. I think what they need to do is have Batista talk about how uh you know this wrestling stuff is not real and uh he's going to go back to doing his movies which uh, which are real and he's going to show that the power of uh the Avengers is no match for the power of professional wrestling. Way you should be scripting this program from here on out. I, oh, I'm not. I'm not facing Hunter. No, no, no. That's my buddy Paul. <laughs> Me and Paul. You want to see the the layout we have? We're getting 25 minutes plus entrances. So this is kind of where where we're heading towards. Kurt Angle comes out for his announcement. He is in his hometown here of Pittsburgh where he left to go win Olympic gold. He's faced and defeated everyone. Pittsburgh, though, has remained his hometown this entire time. And he announces that he's going to have his farewell match at WrestleMania. And he he was getting choked up here. Yeah. He said that I've had the time of my life, and I want to have one final match here in Pittsburgh tonight. And no opponent was listed. Is there an opponent in mind, Way, given that we know where most guys are... Mm. Um, paired at WrestleMania, who is uh-huh. an o- who are the options? Well, I think the poetic choice would be John Cena, of course, right. the person who started his career. Uh, you know, with uh, Cena started his career within the WWE to end Kurt Angle's career with. I think that makes sense. We don't, as far as we know, we don't. Cena does not have an opponent other than it being potentially either our truth or maybe Samoa Joe, but maybe that that might not come to fruition. Um, Baron Corbin, I hate to say it, but you know, I, he, I believe me, Baron Corbin was one of the first people I thought of. That's the story that they've been telling long term with these two. Uh, does Corbin have a win over him? He probably has multiple yes. wins over him, right? Kurt so, can just get a win to go out over Baron yeah. Corbin. Like I, I could see Baron Corbin, absolutely. I could see Corbin too, because like I think Corbin is going to find his way on WrestleMania. He's just too big of a prominently featured person for them not to give him a spot. And right now, I can't tell who. Who you pair Corbin with? Could very well be be Corbin. Mm-hmm. So he had a match with Apollo Cruz, and yeah. actually, what I thought the best part of this match was was Corey Graves on commentary, who's from Pittsburgh, and talked about growing up with Kurt Angle being this local star, winning the Olympic gold medal, then joked about him trying to become a sportscaster and was a way better wrestler than he was a sportscaster, mm-hmm. uh, which Kurt has joked about too. Um, yeah, I thought Graves was very good on commentary here and g- gave that kind of local kind of um anecdote to what this guy meant to the city of Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Cruz uh, delivered an arm drag to counter the angle slam, hit a standing moonsault, but then missed the frog splash angle slam for the win in three minutes. And then angle and Apollo hugged afterwards. It was a short TV match, you know, very simple. Um, and it kind of had every right to be, it wasn't really, uh, you know, it was only designed to for Ankle to get a hometown pop at the end. and Which you know, might be tougher in WWE than winning an Olympic gold medal to win in your hometown like that. True. Yeah, especially for Kurt Angle. Losing yeah. to everybody. I mean, God. Think of the heat that they, they sacrificed tonight. <laughs> Roman then makes his entrance for his match with Baron Corbin, but he's jumped by Drew McIntyre and driven into the post. Then he's hit with a Claymore kick. And then he puts Roman's head up against the post and kicks it into the post. Reigns is dazed. 
He's being checked on. Seth Rollins comes down, and they've got the camera up close with Roman telling Seth, I'm not doing this out here. And he just says, I've got a bit of a headache. And he's helped by Rollins up the ramp and to the back. And I kind of just raced through it. But I thought this was a really good... I I thought the final 30 minutes of the show were very strong uh, for Drew McIntyre. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I did Uh, not feel... Like, going into this show, I was expecting the angle for Roman's opponent at WrestleMania. And when I was going through the candidates, I did not think that Drew McIntyre was... It it didn't do anything for me, this match. I mean, it just felt like a match. And I will say, they... They made it feel important by the end. I thought that they did a really great job with Drew. Drew's been very cold, I would say, over the past several months, ever since like all the the Dogs of War stuff, and um, you know, p- taking part in all these multi man matches, really just kind of filling a role has not made him seem all that special. So I'm kind of with you, but you know, it seems like they are uh, focused on this program for Roman Reigns, and as such, giving him some strong wins on this episode. Yeah, I mean, there have been different times they have wanted to heat up Drew, and then they've just had, you know, change in plans. They've had to put him in positions that I don't think they wanted to, and yeah, that's where they ended up with him. But I thought tonight was really strong in terms of that kind of getting this guy ready for a prominent match at at WrestleMania. So after the break, Ambrose and Rollins are taking Reigns to go see the trainer. Reigns calls Drew a coward, and then... Rollins joins Reigns in the trainer's room, and Dean walks up to Hunter, demands a match with Drew tonight, no DQ, falls count anywhere. Hunter says, sure. And the way they tease this like um, checkup with uh, Roman, it, it kind of teases that Roman's going to get some really bad news and that he won't be able to compete because, you know... I don't know. I just, I, I almost kind of shudder to, to think what medical excuse they might use, but they are. Well, they're teasing a concussion. Oh, concussion. Is that what they said? Well, with the headache, right? And the head being driven in there. Right. But sure. the, the, the subtext was he is not 100% recovered yet from leukemia. Like that was right. certainly the underlying theme here. He has come back too quick. He is not 100% uh, from this illness. And mm-hmm. now he's. I think they're going to use probably concussion as the storyline injury, but everyone yeah. is supposed to believe that, well, he is not completely recovered from cancer. If if it's concussion, I, I totally buy it. And I think, it, in fact, it's a good way to tell the story because the moment they announce the match, he'll, it'll get a re- big reaction. Um, you know, we, we'll see. I thought it was a good first week. So then Drew cuts a promo asking if Dean is going to squeal like his pathetic brother Roman And the match begins on the staging area. It's Falls Count Anywhere. They go into the stands. Drew tries to toss him off of the press box. And Dean bites Drew's fingers. They fight into the concession area. And then there's a belly-to-belly delivered to Dean. Once they get back ringside, Drew tells Dean, I'm going to take out the shield one by one. Which I didn't take as just a throwaway line. And I thought that was kind of interesting that you could have Drew... Like, destroy Dean here. Then he's got Roman at WrestleMania. And ultimately, that's a great... If if Seth needs a first opponent, there's certainly the argument of Drew beating a... Or at least challenging him down the road. I don't know if you necessarily want to have him go over Roman at, at WrestleMania. But you have at mm-hmm. least kind of a direction you've teased with this guy. Yeah. Yeah. 
I, I don't see him beating Roman. Probably not. Probably not. But um, uh, we, we will see. Then they, uh, they move to the announcer's area. Uh, there's a low blow by Drew. And he's doing all of this in front of Renee, who is just disgusted by this. But then Drew stabs Dean with a pencil to the face. And Renee just shrieks at this heinous act. And Drew lawn darts him into the LED board twice and then places Dean's head into a railing and hits the Claymore kick, breaks the railing off, and pins Dean Ambrose. 14 minutes, 19 seconds. Drew then roars on top of the desk. Dean is crawling back, and he takes one final Claymore kick to end the show. Um, I I just thought a great booking of Drew McIntyre. By the end of this, I thought that they had heated him up to a tremendous position, and yeah, I, I... I, I thought that was a really strong part of the show. The pencil was like almost shocking for me to see like on WWE TV. That to me is like, like wasn't even played on. up that big for, yeah. for a graphic violent spot that they, yeah. they don't typically do any kind of stabbing. Well, any, I wonder any sharp objects. I mean, I'm sure it was cleared, but man, it was, it was like, I'll tell you Renee's reaction to it. I thought really made it. It was, it know? was, it, it sounded real. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it's, it, it was the kind of reaction you would expect her to have without well, it being um, too overt. You know, this could very well be Dean Ambrose's, like, last match. You know, if the story is that Drew has now taken out one of Roman's best friends and, and Roman is there to seek revenge. Um, and for this type of, like, beatdown to occur right in front of Renee, I thought it was great. In fact, like, I think as an added touch, it would have been really cool to see Renee try to run up to stop that last claymore yeah um but you know they didn't go that route and it was fine but i, I think if this was the write-off with dean i would have yeah. gone even heavier with it like stretcher like something definitive that he has ended drew's um ended dean's career whereas mm-hmm. it, it kind of felt open-ended by the end of it um but Maybe i think for the story i think for the story it would benefit for dean to be written off from the hands of drew in this match i think so too yeah the match itself, like be, be, before the, the final beatdown, I kind of found just your sort of your typical, typical WWE plunder match. Um, like there are things that I'm sure hurt the performers, but for whatever reason, they don't look like they hurt that much when I watch it on TV. But I thought everything from like the announced desk on was was really good. And the booking is great. So overall thoughts on Raw. I thought they had a lot of like moving pieces here and setting everything in place for WrestleMania. Most of it, I would say, successful. Um, you know, to varying degrees. I think um, the positives, though, are that we know our card for the most part. And yeah. So here is what I've got down for WrestleMania. And you tell me if you disagree with any of these. Um, there's also some loose pieces here Lesnar Rollins, Rousey, Charlotte, Becky. Brian versus Kofi, and then in brackets here, I have Owens and Ali, who I don't know where they fit in at the moment. Mm-hmm. Hunter versus Batista, Orton versus Styles, Shane versus Miz, Angle's retirement match, uh, which more, I, I lean towards Corbin on that. Uh, Banks and Bailey against Nia and Tamina, against Natalia and Phoenix, and then maybe some other women's teams. Uh, John Cena's match, which personally... I think Joe is the best option of that. And beyond Joe, it's like, who are you going to put him with? Elias? I would think a segment with R-Truth seems to be 
seems uh, like the, the natural candidate. Yeah. Um, SmackDown tag title multi-team match. That's just my guess of where things are going. And with the pairing of all those teams, I can see uh, Buddy Murphy. Yeah, probably. Uh, Buddy Murphy against the winner of the tournament. And then you've got presumably the Andre the Giant Battle Royal. That'll take care of most guys. Uh, Braun probably with the SNL guys. So the big question marks for me are Kevin Owens, Mustafa Ali, Asuka, Samoa Joe. Did you and, mention the women's tag? Yeah, the women's tag I put in there. Oh, okay. With uh, yeah. Nyan Tamina and Natalian Phoenix and and maybe more of the women. Yeah, that's a show. Like, that's that's 11 matches there and more based on uh, whatever is added here. But, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm curious where Joe ends up, where Owens, Ali, maybe, maybe that's... If Joe is not facing Cena, maybe Owens and Ali find themselves with Joe in some... And Ray and Andrade, I forgot about as well. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's a card that, you know, obviously is uh, going to be held together by by the women's main main event uh, with the three-way. I think Kofi Kingston is attracting a whole lot of attention right now, and to me, he is a big draw heading into this WrestleMania. Um, you know, Rollins versus Brock, I think, will attract a, a good level of attention, but I would put that number three amongst the, the other two. And then beyond that, you know... Kurt Angle's retirement match, depending on who it's against. Like, if it's Cena, then I'm down for that. If it's against Baron Corbin, it's like, eh, whatever. Uh, everything else is kind of like, kind of just there, you know? What do you do if, the, the more I think about, like, with Angle and Cena, how do you book that match? Does Angle go over Cena in his retirement? I think that'd be nice. Why not? Cena can afford a loss. He lost to The Undertaker last year. I see Cor. I really do feel like Corbin is going to be the option. Like I, I don't see there. I don't see them pushing Angle's retirement as one of the big things on the show. Like it's going to be there. I'm sure it'll be a nice moment when it happens. Um, but I just don't see it being one of the top six promoted matches, for instance. No, e- even be. though I feel like you, like I, I think we'll look back at this two years of Kurt Angle, and I, I think that they really dropped the ball a lot with what could have been done with Kurt in these two years. Yeah, I kind of agree. Yeah. All right, let's head on over to the forum. Um, Interested to see what everyone says here. On a scale of one to ten, where's your ranking of this show? I would give it like six and a half. I'll round it up to seven. A 5.94 is the score for tonight's episode of Raw. So let's start off with Jay in Colorado. All right, I'm going to call bullshit on the WWE social media numbers. The WWE itself breaks this down on their website, pointing out that their Facebook page has 500 million likes, 225 million through Instagram, 221 million through Twitter, and 46 million through YouTube. According to their own words, WWE Today announced it has eclipsed 1 billion fans through its global social media platforms. That's not a billion unique fans. It's 100 million something fans, maybe, who follow the WWE on multiple platforms. I, for instance, follow them on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. I guess that makes me four people. That's not to mention all the fake accounts who follow them. There are 7.7 billion people in the world. That means 13% of the people in the world follow the WWE on social media. There are only 309 million people in the United States. Do they really expect me to believe three times the people who live in the U.S. follow them on social media? This shouldn't bother me as much as it does, but holy hell, it does. Well, 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 hold on a second. Even be, before you get to that, I mean, obviously, like, that's kind of expected, right? Like, they, they don't mention uniques. So we're talking, like, 
YouTube views, essentially. Like, like essentially, like, you know. But beyond that, like, on Twitter... He's like, not we, wrong, though. They did. They said a billion fans. He's not wrong. But, okay, at the same time, though, even if you br- look at Twitter numbers in particular, 22, 20, 221 million, that's not just the WWE's account. That's that. That's the WWE's account, which is 10.4 million followers, plus Roman Reigns, plus John Cena, plus The Rock, whatever, whatever, whatever. So even within that, there's already multiple of the same people. The average person is probably counted for like 30 times. Maybe. At minimum, like if you're following every wrestler in the WWE, you're counted for what? That could be a, that could be 150 accounts on Twitter. Potentially. If you're somebody who follows everybody, yeah. Jay, I have no problem with you breaking this down. I, I love this math. Yeah. Um, okay, oh, great. I like this question for the next one for way. All right. Omri says, didn't get a chance to watch the whole show, show, so I just have one question. What was the point of Triple H telling Batista that he won't give him what he wants for five minutes, only to give him what he wants? Also, can you please talk about Captain Marvel? I really liked it, despite it not having a lot of action. Hope it isn't considered a spoiler. Okay, so what? which question are you talking about? What was the point of Triple H telling Batista that he won't give him what he wants for five minutes, only to give oh, him I didn't care about that. I cared about Captain Marvel. Uh, okay. Batista just played to his emotion, I guess. Yeah, you ask for something long enough, it's going to annoy somebody to the to the point that they'll give in. Um, Captain Marvel, I, I you know no spoilers. I, I um, are you going to watch it, John? Captain Marvel, uh, probably uh, at some point I'll, I'll I'll get around to it. But feel free to talk about what my reaction coming out of it was very much like you know how I feel about maybe some of the Marvel movies that I go you know I come out of not necessarily like going wow that was amazing and more so like that was good. You know, like even the worst Marvel movie is not that bad. And I think by this point, I'm so invested in the universe that seeing all these little bits of interconnected uh, connective tissue is enough to entertain me throughout. Um, You know, I was perhaps expecting a movie that maybe made a bolder statement and, and was perhaps as like, you know, as memorable, I would say, of an experience as something like Black Panther. It was not that. It was, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't say it was like top half of like Marvel Cinematic Universe releases. Um, I thought it was good throughout, but I thought it certainly had a lot of problems. And, um, you know, I look forward to maybe talking about it one day with you more in depth, John. But how I, long is it? Probably about two hours, something like that. Oh, okay. I, yeah. I will definitely get around to seeing it. Yeah, it was good. Uh, but, you know, like it was that type of, it was good. Not it was good. Gotcha. Your 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 level of uh, tone is uh, definitely I can decipher and know what a good movie is from a not so good movie. Yeah, again, it was it was good. How's the soundtrack? I thought they overdid it yeah. with the nineties stuff. Like you're, I think you, I think you would love it. You know, and certainly like just looking at the at the track list, you will love love it. But I felt like they they were overusing it a bit. Gotcha. Is there um. Is there, are there any teases for Endgame, or is it pretty much like a separate film? There are teases, yeah. Oh, cool. Okay. Andrew from Cape Breton. Tonight introduced an interesting moral dilemma. Drew McIntyre viciously assaulted a recovering cancer patient, but in doing so, he stopped a Baron Corbin match from happening. Were his actions moral? Oh this is a question philosophers will be debating for <laughs> centuries to come. I did like that they are building up McIntyre to be a monster, and it seems like he's facing Roman at Mania. Tonight's show was okay, 6 out of 10, but I wanted to bring something up. Tonight, there was a great contrast in the ring with Ronda Rousey and Dana Brooke. 
Dana is a great athlete, but she's a bad wrestler and cut a bad promo. It really showed the issues of WWE using the Performance Center to create and groom talent. Ronda, who does certainly have issues, comes across as a star, cuts good promos, with a few bad ones here and there, and generally has great matches. I know Dana hasn't been given as much as Ronda has, but whenever she has wrestled or talked, she wasn't any good. I guess the question for discussion is, what is the purpose of the Performance Center if they produce more Dana Brooks than Braun Strowman's? Uh, Ricochet and Alistair Black could have been just as polished in a system like OVW, where they could work out any kinks before coming to the main roster. I just thought it was quite the interesting contrast between a star who barely trained at the PC to someone who came up completely within the PC, its culture, its trainers, and its style. I know Ronda may be a once-in-a-generation style of athlete, but most of their main roster are indie guys anyway. So what's the point? The point of the PC, I think, is, to me, in many ways, I feel it's sort of a bit of a vanity project for Paul Levesque to show, you know, what he could do. I also, you know, like, look, remember, like, the Page movie where, like, they were very critical of, like, other outside training methods and wanting to instead, like, bring everything in-house so that they could do everything their professional way. I think there's something to that. Um, you know, it's also a way to provide talent for NXT, which is the product that they have. Uh, yeah, that's, this has been debated for a long time. What, what, what the performance center is actually teaching people. Um, but you know, you, ha- you can have your, like for as many Dana Brooks as, as there are, I feel like you also have your Sasha Banks, you know, or your Charlotte's who did come up through that system and have proven to be very good talents. So I think it's kind of like largely based on the performer that you're talking about. Yeah, I, I would say, you know, Dana Brooke is someone that I, I think, first of all, she was rushed up way too early to the main roster. Um, you and I saw one of her first matches. And by 2016, she's up on the main roster. She's been up there for three years already. Um, and and I think that she's someone that, especially when people were first seeing her in NXT, saw a ton of potential in. Um I wouldn't use her as the barometer for success. I think overall, the Performance Center is a tremendous idea for them to have that kind of structure in place and that kind of recruitment tool for athletes, for wrestlers that want to get there. Um, Now, you can certainly argue from a result standpoint, and this is going to take years, but you can probably look already at some examples now. Do we want to be starting guys from scratch and they only learn this one system as opposed to the talent we have seen flourish are ones that have worked all over the world that have worked independence for years and years. And then they come to, to Orlando for polishing and they're TV ready. And they are going to make that leap to the main roster with way better success rates than the ones that only know this kind of confined system. Even though that's the line that Paul has always used is that, you're going to learn from our playbook. They want everybody to be learning from this playbook. And wrestling should be something that is much more like something where you you learn all different forms of presentation, of of what works. And having that, that kind of worldly experience, I think, is only going to make you that much more of a well-rounded performer. And I, I think that the results have kind of bared themselves out, that that is... That is that is the advice I, I think that many veterans would give to any aspiring talent is to go to as many places as possible, work in front of small crowds, and get to the WWE once you have that under your belt. 
isn't that what they're doing right now though you know like the the for the large part of like what we're hearing about uh, who they're uh giving tryouts to and who who they're who's uh part of these new classes a lot of them i feel like the majority of them are people with prior experience on the indie scene and oh it certainly is i mean when you look at and that's how when they tout the success of the performance center they're listing all these names as coming from the performance center when you know a lot of them they they have cut their teeth and a ton more so than just that uh, outside of it whether you're looking at, at seth rollins or kevin owens or Dean Ambrose or yeah. Ricochet. I mean, the list goes on and on. But I mean, its its chief function is to try and take people from take these athletes and from square one, they're in the performance center. And I, I think that that is a long road. And yeah. Charlotte would be like the the shining success story. And there's going to be a number of them. I think in time, like uh, Cassie Catanzaro. Uh, I mean, that there are performers that are going to become great that come out of that system. The question is, um, is that going to be the exception, the rule or somewhere in between? I think to them, like as long as they get sort of a mixture of successful stars, I'm, I feel like they could care less, you know, where, whether you're from the Indies or if you're from uh, American Ninja warrior. Um, I, I feel like, you know, perhaps there's something to be said about taking somebody like a Matt Riddle and teaching him TV things, you know, making sure that his, bro stuff uh you know as as maybe successful as it's been on the indies maybe there's a way that they can make it better for television um some cases i think it's it's beneficial to have that time to really work those things out like you know somebody like dajakovic um could you see could you have seen him you know make a direct transition or you know is something like the performance center beneficial for a guy like that I think the Performance Center and NXT television are kind of different things that let's look at it from just the the business perspective here is that if you have built this Performance Center and you believe that you take someone with, say, they are an ex-football player and they're 25 years old, their football career is done, they want to move to pro wrestling and you, based on experience from other athletes, it's going to take you two years to take this athlete and prepare them till when they can be on NXT television, till they are television ready. Two years you're looking at. Is it the best for our system to invest in those two years as opposed to take those two years and that performer, if they really want to make it, they can go do that on their dime and they can learn it elsewhere and they can go through that development phase outside of WWE. Come back to us after those two years and then our system is going to take you to the next level, but it's not going to take us two years to get you there. You're already starting at a certain level as opposed to the ground floor that the goal is to achieve with many of these athletes. Yeah. Doesn't that just like, you know, isn't the question then, you know, where you sh- where they should be bringing in their new talent from, uh, from, you know, professional wrestling or from other fields and who or some of the latest that they brought in from like football or bodybuilding or non-wrestling sources. They've got that. Um... Like in international markets, I can understand. Cause if you want like an Indian star or a Chinese star, you're not going to find like an, you know, indie right. workers from, from those parts of the world. But like in America, do they still do that? Or have they gotten away largely from plucking up people from, from, you know, bodybuilding or football? 
I mean, the the latest class of uh, performance center, the ones that included ACH and Trevor Lee, there were a number of of athletes in there. Mm. So they are they are still signing them. They've got that guy Luke Menzies, who was the the, the rugby player that's that's working in the live events now. Um, you know, th- there are you know a s- significant a number of you know quote unquote uh, outside athletes that do make up the population there. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, whose turn? Uh, let's go. Uh, I'll take the next one here. Okay. Uh, Sean from Toronto. Wasn't there a better way to turn Ronda Rousey heel than have her give work shoot promos about the carny pro wrestling industry? Yeah, it generates heat, but it's the wrong type of heat since I'm legitimately angry at the things she said. And now I don't care if she stays or goes after WrestleMania. I didn't like how they had Dana Brooke come out to do a very passionate promo only to get beaten down because of it. Is it just me or did Batista come off as a junkie begging his dealer for one last hit? Not the best way to do a WrestleMania program. I do admit that the main event did bring back memories of the Attitude Era hardcore style matches, except 20 years ago, they didn't have drunk fans trying to take selfies during the match. I think fair points. Jalen from Pickering, when I looked down thinking the show was almost over and realized it was only 930, that was a sign to stop watching for the night. Why is Bliss hosting Mania when every talk show segment she's had has been terrible? Why did they supposedly get rid of rematch clauses, yet Truth and Lashley ended up first in line for a rematch of their title? At least we get to see the demon at Mania. Also, Seth fighting a guy that's never on TV who's never really been associated with Brock on TV is kind of lame. I get the connection, but it's so loose that it shouldn't even count. Hopefully the feud can get going once Brock actually appears on TV. All right, next one up up here uh, from Zubin. Just to quickly elaborate on one of my comments from last night, when I was talking about the logic and Ronda's timing of her interference in Becky's match, I'd actually meant that the moment when it seemed Becky was in actual peril of defeat was when Ronda interjected, implying she wanted to ensure she gets Becky at Mania. The endearingly cringy pose afterwards alluded the same. Speaking of last night, I'm a bit pleased with myself for seeing the Drew Roman being foreshadowed in that lame duck match. Adds, can't wait for the fresh bat fresh batch of Street Fighter 2 memes that we'll get from the bronze spot tonight with the car. I'm very thankful for the for the sake of all backstage interviewers that Big Dave held his own microphone tonight and adds a six what cars out of ten for his thoughts on Raw. Cool. Carl from Cloverdale. The show was okay this week. Mania card is coming into a little more focus. One thing sticks out to me. Is it not insane how much TV time and focus has been put on Braun Strowman for the past two plus years? And again, he seems to be relegated for a comedy spot at Mania. Feels like a really big investment of time and energy that has gone nowhere. He's involved in like the um, the Partners Summit. You know what I mean? Where it's like the uh, this is the the cross promotional event where you send your representative to the big uh, NBC company picnic. And he's representing the WWE. And that picnic is going to just take place during WrestleMania with Michael Che and Colin Jost. Interesting. That's his role. Okay. Yeah, you know, with Strowman, I mean, I feel like it's because they've been hot and cold with the guy. Um, like the first year, he, he didn't he win that, like, Battle Royal? Um, no, he lost the, the Andre Battle Royal to upstart Mojo Rawley, who, uh, again... He lost that one? Remember Mojo wow. won because of um what's his name? Gronkowski? Yeah. Who was it was it Mojo or Zach that won that match? I don't remember, man. Uh don't I make think, me I think it was back. Mojo. Mojo won the Andre Battle Royal. And and is he just locked in a room in some arena that they left and forgot to take him out of? 
Uh, Mojo? Almost. Oh, yeah, well, I forgot about those. Yeah, I don't know what happened to that. Um, now's a bad time to debut new new characters, I suppose. But, you know, it's that. Like, last year they didn't have anything with for him. It's sort of, like, just bad timing, it seems, for this guy. All right. Uh, before we go, just going to quickly run through uh, today's New Japan Cup. Uh, I'll keep it very brief here because I know we're, we've gone long here. Uh, so this was the final four matches of the opening round. Toriano defeated Davy Boy Smith Jr. in 433. Um, this was not a great match. Uh, Davy Boy just chased him around, worked over the knee, and then Yano grabbed red shoes and went for the low blow but missed him. So then he just cradled Smith and caught him with the pin. And this is playing off the fact that Davy Boy has lost several times to Toriano, including at last year's New Japan Cup. So history re- repeated itself. Toriano advances and poor WH Park. He had Davy Boy going to the finals, oh. and this just murdered his bracket. Ouch! It's so tough to like, like he must have predicted a number of upsets with with DBS, obviously. But like, it's so tough to predict upsets. I feel. Yeah, I put so much pressure on him after he just called it with Zack Saber Junior. last year. Wow. So. Yeah. Um, Colt Cabana defeated Togi Makabe. Uh, this was a decent match. Um. One of the weirdest calls, first of all, Rocky Romero, he is maybe the most underrated commentator right now. Oh, he's like great. Yeah. He's really good, and he never gets mentioned among like really good commentators these days. I thought he was great today with Kevin Kelly. Mm-hmm. But Cabana does his deal where he runs into the corner and like splashes the guy like with his side. And Rocky Romero calls this move like in the most casual calm way like if he were to say oh with a body slam he just calls it flying butthole what is that Fly- the name of the flying the flying butthole could that yes. possibly be the name of the move it is the name of the move oh but it was like he just called it like it was just any other move and it was just a bizarre uh delivery for such a unique name okay uh cabana busted out a moonsault from the top this thing looked great uh, missed, uh, but then Makabe missed a King Kong knee drop, and Cabana did the uh, the Superman pin where he dove over and hooked the legs with his own feet and pinned Makabe. So we're going to get Colt Cabana and Toriyana, which I suspected was going to be the second round match in what, what should probably be a really great comedy match. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I look forward to that in the second round. Uh, Minoru Suzuki and Satoshi Kojima did not have a comedy match. It went 1344. Uh, Kojima, I thought this was one of his better singles matches. He's slowed down a lot in the last couple of years, but I thought that they showed a lot together in the, uh, I think it was a six-man that they had at the anniversary card. Uh, but Suzuki ended up winning with the rear naked choke and the gotch pile driver. Not um, not by any means the, uh, the best match of the opening round or in the league of the best matches, uh, but decent for what it was involving two guys that the audience really is behind. And again, Romero... Did a great job outlining their past history, all the matches they've had, both being former Triple Crown champions with All Japan. So really set the scene well at the beginning. And the main event, I thought this was the best match on today's card, which was not the best uh, opening round card. Uh, But Sonata defeated Hiroki Goto, 20 minutes, 47 seconds. And uh, we had uh, both uh, Sonata delivered his own Ushigoroshi to Goto, and then later... Goto hit his own. Uh, the audience just 
it continued to build with the heat and the audience really got into all the different reversals and Sonata missing a moonsault early, but later on he applies to skull end hits the moonsault off the top for the win. So Sonata advances. I thought a mild upset because at the end of the anniversary card, you have Jay white holding up the title with Tanahashi Okada Goto and Abushi all standing in the ring as kind of like the big four in the tournament. And I thought it was interesting, including Goto Mm -hmm. in that mix and I, I thought that would mean he would go a little further in the tournament than the first round. So I was surprised by this outcome. So it's going to be uh, – let, let's just go through quickly the second round matches, and I want to get your picks way. Okay. So it resumes on Wednesday with Tomohiro Ishii versus Taichi. Got to go with the man Taichi. Okay. I'm not, even just, I'm not even just saying that because, but like um... – I, I don't I think, think that's a bad pick. I could see him winning this one, yeah. Yeah, I think they are pushing him. Does he win it with the iron fingers? No, he's saving that for the finals. Okay. Uh, and he would then take on the winner of Yoshihashi versus Chase Owens. Yeah, this threw me off because, uh, you know, I think it threw everybody's uh, cards off with Chase Owens being involved in this. But, um, oh, man, would it be a waste to just have Chase Owens beat Juice Robinson and then not have Chase Owens beat Yoshihashi? So I would have to say Chase Owens. So you're expecting Taichi Chase Owens in yes. the third round. Mm-hmm. Okay, then March 14th, Way's birthday. He's going to be in Hawaii watching Kazuchika Okada versus Mikey Nichols and yeah. Will Ospreay versus Lance Archer. I feel like that's a bit of a slam dunk with uh, Okada being beating Nichols. Um, you know, it makes it interesting because do you get Okada versus Osprey after that or do you get Okada versus Archer? Um, I'm going to go with the upset here. I'm going to say Archer over Osprey. I could definitely see that. Like, I just, I mainly say that because I feel Okada Osprey is way too big for the third round of the yeah. New Japan Cup. Yes. Um, I just think that could be a much bigger event for those two. Uh, okay, then March 16th, we have Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Ryusuke Taguchi and Kota Ibushi versus Zack Sabre Jr. I'm going Tanahashi over Taguchi. Um, and then I'm, I'm going to go Kota Ibushi. So Tanahashi Ibushi, third round. So that's the rematch of the G1. And then March 17th, Toriyano versus Colt Cabana and Minoru Suzuki versus Sonata. I'm going to say Toriyano over Colt and I'm going to say Sonata over Suzuki. I'm going to go with Suzuki over Sonata so that we get Yano and Suzuki in the third round. That'd be fun. Uh, yeah. A rivalry for the ages. Yeah. All right, so that that's the second round. We'll have yeah. coverage on the site. Um, I'm currently off on Tuesday. I'm currently twelve. I'm currently twelve and sixteen. I I did not get Colt nor Toriano, so that that threw me off as well. But uh, one person on the current standings has a perfect record, and that person's name is Your Stacks. Your Stacks. You're currently number one with a perfect score of sixteen out of sixteen. Wow, that's impressive in this tournament. Uh, thus far, yeah, we'll see if you, he can maintain it. All right, uh, we will announce the winner after the finals, which are happening March twenty fourth. So that will bring an end to Rewind to Raw. Uh, this was a fun show. We covered it, a lot. It was a long show, but yeah, it was a lot of fun. So I'm just I'm I'm looking at all the. <laughs> By the way, everybody, if you did enter the the New Japan Cup, um, you can go back to that website, which you can access via postwrestling.com slash NJ Cup, and if you click on the predictions tab, you can find the leaderboard where you can see. Uh, what your current score is. And I think most of you might have a tough time finding your own score because <laughs> the field where you're supposed to list your name is not listed 
as was not listed as name. In fact, instead it was listed as like title. And so everybody like wrote, you know, um, like some of most of you guys, I guess, uh, had had good things. But let's say, for instance, the leader, your stacks, who also his his name is. Can you win this with a low blow and a roll up? Um, <laughs> the second place is just untitled. Like that's the name. Um, we have IWGP heavyweight here also with 15 points. So good luck finding who that is. Um, the one without the gun, I guess that could be somebody. Yeah. So, um, good luck to most of you. Waiting's illegitimate son is in fact beating me. My illeg- illegitimate son has 14 points. So he found you. Well, yes. Uh, anyway, so good luck uh, and, and hope uh, most of you are enjoying, the, enjoying this. We have 300 entries. Well, that's that's impressive. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks to everyone for listening to this uh, lengthy edition of Rewind to Raw. Uh, final things. Of course, you can go to postwrestling.com and postwrestlingcafe.com and tickets still available for our live show happening on Sunday, April the 7th at the Broadway Comedy Club in New York City. Just go to postwrestling.com slash live. $25 for tickets, $20 if you are a Post Wrestling Cafe member. Looking forward to see many of you there for our Q&A and meet and greet. Yeah, I'm very excited for that. All right, good night, everybody, and we'll speak with you Tuesday night after SmackDown.